La pendule fait tic-tac, tic-tic. Les oiseaux du lac, pic-pac, pic-pic. Glou, 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 font tous les dindons. Et la jolie cloche, ding ding dong Mais boum, quand notre cœur fait boum, tout avec lui dit boum. Et c'est l'amour qui s'éveille. Hello, rugby friends. And welcome to a new edition of French Rugby Connection Podcast with moi, Véronique Landieu, but no Mike Pierce this week uh, as he's moving house. But no worries, he'll be back next week. So a very exciting weekend with the Challenge Cup Finals and the Heineken Cups Final. And I was very happy to speak uh, on this episode with Alex Lozowski, who not only won two Heineken Cups when he was at Saracens, but also got um, a Challenge Cup to his name, thanks to the win at Twickenham against the Leicester. And then it will be followed up by an iconic man of rugby. You probably saw him many, many times. He's been working as a TV cameraman for the last 25 years. He's covered loads of events ranging from the Olympics to the Rugby World Cup in 2015 to racing and the wedding of Prince Williams and Kate Middleton as well. And the name is Bull. And you will probably recognize him as he's always wearing a bandana and socks of both team. <laughs> so I hope you will enjoy these stories from being smashed off the touchline by Laurence Dallalieu to World Cups with many, many, many real brand finals in between. Hey, bonjour Alex, how are you? Comment vas-tu? Tu vas bien? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. So I should be able to speak better French than what I can after having lived here for a year. But yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm very well. Are you probably, your French is probably better after a few beers. Or a few glasses of wine. Maybe, yeah. Uh, to be fair, I've tried my best to learn. It's obviously very difficult, but I've been taking lessons and speaking to uh, lots of the players in, in French as much as I can. So, yeah, I've learned a bit, but I've got a long way to go. Yeah. And let me guess, I bet when you go to the shop, when you go to la boulangerie, they, uh, they say to you, Bonjour, monsieur, vous désirez? Everybody yeah, speaks to you in yeah. French. Yeah, exactly. So, and sometimes even when I ask for something in French, They sometimes look at me and don't understand what I'm trying to say. So, yeah, I've had a few embarrassing moments, but yeah, I've, I've got there in the end. So. Yeah, I'm saying that because you look very French, you know, with your dark hair, your brown eyes. I know you've got some Italian blood yeah. from your mother's side. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised that people think that you are a Frenchman. Yeah, they may be a bit shocked when I come up with a very English accent. But yeah, so obviously... <laughs> great language and I'm, I'm I'm happy to have picked some of it up over the last year. Yes, yes. And you had the tash a few weeks ago, which you removed. Yeah, I did. I was, I've, I've tried to embrace as much as the, uh, <laughs> French, French culture as, as possible, including the moustache. Yeah, but I, I think uh, it got to the point where it was just a bit too long and uh, I don't think my mum liked it very much. So. I think it was probably fashionable in the 70s, to be honest with you. <laughs> But let's talk about rugby. So how are you feeling? Have you recovered from your Challenger Cup? And first of all, congratulations. So happy for you. But uh, how's the body? How's the yeah, mind? 
Yeah, so obviously really happy that we won the game. It was a difficult game against uh, a strong English team that I know very well in Leicester. And uh, yeah, they were traditionally strong like Leicester are and it was it was a difficult match. But yeah, we're we're recovered now and we've had we've enjoyed the win that we enjoyed winning the game and we've had a few days celebrating all together, which has been nice. But yeah, obviously we've got Another game this weekend against uh, Bayonne at home, which we need to win. So perfect. And do the the boys from Montpellier, les sisters, do they celebrate like the Saris boys? Or are they more uh, timid? No, they celebrate hard. They celebrate hard. It's obviously <laughs> to win a final is amazing. And yeah, we we had a good night in the hotel on Friday, and then we enjoyed a, a sort of a little barbecue at the beach on Saturday. And then on Sunday, for those who could still carry on, we went to this place called Marsh de Les. It's like a little box park type uh, place where you can get lots of eat and drink. And yeah, we, we've, had a, we've had a great few days. And yeah, but now uh, <laughs> we've had to sort of kind of switch back on to rugby. Yes. Obviously, another, another one more important game this weekend. Indeed, indeed. I'm sure you will bag it. But beware of the Bayonne, you know. We played against them early in the season of course at their home ground and yeah they were very strong and beat us so when we know that it's going to be a difficult game yes yeah but again you know i'm so happy that you won the challenge cup you know i was in the stand i was probably the only french woman in my area tom may was sitting in front of me and i was the only one saying i didn't really know the uh, the words of how the montpellier the supporter from montpellier you know uh, support their team and i think it's they say ici ici c'est montpellier i didn't know that so i said allez allez <laughs> <laughs> it, was, uh, it was nice to have you because obviously 10,000 of the fans were probably mostly Leicester supporters. And it was actually, it was amazing to have supporters back in the stadium for the first time for us to experience that again. So it was amazing, even though they were mostly English supporting fans. But yeah, thank you for, yeah. <laughs> thank you for cheering for us. You're one of the only ones along with my mum and dad probably. Yeah, I didn't see you, Mama. Otherwise, I would say hi to your father, Rob. You used to play for Wasp and also he played for England. So you got some very strong pedigree in, in your blood. But I know you started by playing football first. Yeah, I played football and then, yeah, ended up playing for Wasps like that and obviously moved to Saris after that. But no, they were obviously really happy to be in the stadium for the first time in, you know, a long, long time as well. So yeah. it's just great to have supporters back in stadiums enjoying the matches has been obviously a difficult and complicated period for everyone with the pandemic and not being able to do things they like to do so honestly it really is fantastic to see in stadiums and enjoying uh, watching rugby again and you know that Eddie Jones was in the, was in the stadium as well I heard that Eddie was there yeah I heard that he was there watching yeah yeah and you played well because I, I rewatched the game before our our chat, and you did assist. You you helped out your teammates to score the the the, the crucial tries. Yeah, no, I think you know the team. We've we've obviously started the season was difficult with the results, and we kind of weren't that sure on how we wanted to play, and it didn't go very well for us. So, so we've managed to turn it around a little bit, and we've won you know a lot of games in the in the last few months in the top fourteen, and obviously in the Challenge Cup we. You know, we focused on it and we made we our performances were a lot lot better and you know as soon as as soon as the guys started playing better together, yeah, it made a big difference for us and 
you know, if in a final we can go either way, it's always very tight, but we just, everyone's really, really happy that we came out on the right side. And yes, especially Montpellier had a, a dire, a very tough uh, season at, in the top 14. Andre Pollard got injured. I think it did impact a little bit of the team. The team wasn't really gelling. And obviously there were some restructuring, let's put it that way, <laughs> with Xavier Garbajosa being asked to leave. And then Philippe Saint-André, who was in his ivory tower, was told to go down. <laughs> <laughs> to the to the rugby level, and uh, I mean, how do you explain the success of Montpellier since he took over? What has been his magic? Because I know he works very closely with some wonderful coaches such as uh, and Jean Baptiste Elissad. But yeah, how, how do you explain? I think it just made things a lot more simple for the players. We probably before were focusing on the wrong things that were maybe a little bit too complicated. I think Philippe has made things very, very simple for everyone, which has allowed everyone to just get stuck in. And it makes you feel more free to just sink your teeth in and have a good, have a, have a go really. And after that, I think, you know, he's just made uh, the environment, I think, very enjoyable to be a part of, you know, in, at the training ground. He wants to see smiles on faces and the players and the staff and everyone there sort of enjoying working. So I think he sort of maybe, you know, Philippe obviously maybe a little bit more old school. And, you know, after we've won a few games, he encourages the boys to stay in the brasserie and, and, and have a few drinks together and etc. So, yeah, I think I just simplified things and brought the enjoyment back a little bit. And yeah, it's great to see. It's great to know that those, those things have worked and they continue to work and, Yeah, it's been a good turnaround. Good, yeah, congratulations. How does uh, Philippe Saint-André differ from Mac McCall? Oh, that's, yeah, there's, uh, <laughs> I suppose Philippe, uh, as you say, to begin, to begin with, was not on the training field as much, whereas Mark would normally would be there watching a bit more. Obviously, Philippe then did come down and do a little more on the training pitch and was watching. Yeah, they're different in, in a few different ways, but I think in, the, the, in what they're similar in, they're similar in that, As I said, they want training ground to be a place where everyone enjoys coming to, coming to training and their smiles and mm. faces. And yeah, I think just allowing the players to express themselves, taking some of the pressure off the players as well, because I think, you know, obviously having lost quite a few games, a lot of the players were feeling the pressure to win and to do well. And Philippe was good in taking that away. And Mark is also good at giving the players freedom and taking pressure off. Yes, and how did Philippe and his coaches motivate you the day before? Or what did they say that really, you know, give you that extra, extra motivation to win? Before the final? Yes. Yes, oh, I think just, um, you know, they, got, they just said, you know, the, the journey that we've been on, the story that we've had this season, obviously had some difficult moments at the start and, you know, Just what a what a great story and what a great history for Montpellier it would be if we could you know go this one step further and and win the final at Twickenham and yeah I think also just we had a good we had a, a good plan defensively we tried to, we he wanted us to defend really strongly and defend in twos obviously Leicester with some very strong ball carriers and we focused a lot on tackling them in in pairs which most of the time works quite well. So I'd say, yeah, Philippe, we, we had a good plan and, yeah, defensively. And then after that, he just wanted us to go out and give it our all. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So let's go back to the beginning. When you arrived in June 2020, what were your first impression of Montpellier? 
because you can, you know, just finish with Saracens. Saracens, for them, they were about to enter a new era for the reasons that we know. How did it feel, you know, I mean? Well, it was fantastic to begin with because I left England, which was in the middle of a very fierce lockdown. Yes. And actually, when I arrived in France, actually, everything was open as normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to, to have left the lockdown country and arrived in somewhere where you can go out and enjoy going to restaurants or whatever, or cafes or whatever, it was actually amazing, really. So I enjoyed it and the training was good. Obviously, the weather was good. So I guess that's why it's such a shame that in September, you know, in France, the lockdown was so fierce and, you know, it had to be make sure that you were in, in your house at 6 p.m. and you couldn't go out anywhere. So, you know, it was... It, it was a shame uh, because I saw at the start how amazing the city is and how nice it can be here. And actually, now last week um, in France was the first week where it's all open again normally. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was out today playing golf and went to the cafe as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've only got three weeks left, and it's a shame that it's oh. so late that everything is opening so late. But yeah. I guess that's life, and yeah. You can go back one day, I'm sure. We'll talk about that in a minute. But what were, in terms of training, you know, what were your impressions? Is the training provided by a top 14 club similar to a training provided by um, by Saracens? Well, I think it's very different. There's lots of things that are done differently over here in France. I, th- I guess a lot of it in the pre-season is to do with the weather because it's so hot. It's obviously up towards sort of 30 degrees centigrade by midday, which means that, you know, any training in the afternoon becomes very, very difficult with the heat. We started earlier. Sometimes we start at maybe seven in the morning, but we'd be done by midday. So it was still hot. It was still hot, but it was a bit a bit cooler than doing it in the afternoon. So whereas obviously in England at Saris, you know, you can train a bit later and finish. <laughs> Any time. <laughs> yeah, three, three in the afternoon. So some of the uh, some of the morning starts. Uh, I can imagine. <laughs> what did you have a full English breakfast before? Did you have a croissant or or maybe uh, nothing? Yeah, lots of yeah, lots of lovely French bread and obviously the food in France is is, ter- is terrific. So I've, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed that a lot. Absolutely. Would you say that the top fourteen is harder to play than the Gallagher Premiership? Is it yeah. tougher? In some ways, yes, of course, uh, yeah, it is. It is. There's, I think it, across the board in general, players are much bigger. Um, really? If you look at Billy Vinipola, he's massive. He's a, he's a tractor. So Billy is uh, an exception to the rule, I think, over in England. Obviously, Billy and Brother Maka were you know, very physical players. But I think every weekend in, in the top 14, each team has sort of four or five guys who are absolutely enormous and yeah, they're not much fun tackling them. So yeah, there's some there's some huge players. I suppose well, on on the other on the other hand, after that maybe the Premiership is a bit more fast. There's probably more stoppages of play in the top 14, and less ball in play time. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe you have to be maybe a bit more cardiovascularly fit in your lungs to play in the in the English Premiership, whereas in in the, in the top 14 in France, mm-hmm. you probably do it having a few extra kilos. Right. <laughs> but having said that, if you look at, was it Naldo? Nalado from Leicester is a beast. Nadolo, yeah. He was, obviously he used to play in Montpellier, so 
the guys here know him very well and are friends with him and obviously are aware of what he brings to the game. And yeah, I was happy that um, he didn't get the ball <laughs> as much as uh, as much as what I thought he would on the weekend. And I was happy that that uh, yeah. didn't run. And you're happy he didn't try to tackle you. Yeah, I was worried about that before the game, but yeah, it's nice <laughs> that I managed to avoid that. Yeah. So, uh, Alex, would you recommend English players to experience, you know, one year or two playing in the top 14 as part of their development? Because I remember asking a question to young Maro Itoje six years ago when he was a tender 20-year-old player. Nobody knew about him. I asked him during an interview, so Maro, is there a French club you like to play with? And he said to me, Racing. Racing. And I know last year he tried to, but he couldn't because if he played for Racing, he wouldn't have been eligible to play for, for England. But uh, so to go back to my initial question, would you recommend that experience? Oh, that definitely would. I, I definitely would. Um, I think the top 14 as a league is, is, is very challenging. It's a very difficult league. There's a lot of very good teams. So in terms of rugby, I think it's, it would be a brilliant challenge for any player. And then I think obviously France as a country, It's an amazing country, has so much to offer, so much to do. As I said, it has been a shame for me, I guess, to have been here during a year where, with the pandemic, it's been difficult to experience the lifestyle. But I know from having spoken to other players, having spoken a lot to Tom Whitford, who's our team manager, he's an English guy that has lived in France for many years, mm -hmm. um, lived in Toulon for a long time. There's so much to offer. France has so much to offer. So many good things to be able to do. So I think I would 100% uh, recommend it to, to English players at, at some point in their career. Yeah. And from from England, what what did you miss? And which uh, Sarri's uh, teammate did you miss the banter with and so on? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I suppose, I, I, to, to be fair, actually, having been locked down, I spent quite a lot of time uh, playing PlayStation with the Sarri's players So I've managed to speak to them most days, which has meant that I've not missed them too much. But, you know, obviously I do miss seeing them every day. I miss um, guys like Alex Goode, who, you know, we normally drive to training together. And then guys like Alex Lewington, Callum Clark, both live uh, very close to me um, in London. So, you know, I miss those guys. I miss them all. I miss them all. And it's going to be it's going to be good to see them in a few weeks' time. I think I'll be getting back just before... The, uh, the finals of the championship. So I'm really hoping that I'll be able to go and watch them play. Oh, brilliant. That's excellent. And I don't know whether you've experienced the, the full atmosphere of a full stadium or not, or maybe 1,000 fans, but are they as passionate as the Saracens fans? Or are they louder? Are they... No, of course. I think, you know, the Saracens fans, Allianz, you know, I remember some of the... European Cup games we've had and the semi-finals we've played at Allianz and the atmosphere has been absolutely brilliant. And as I said, unfortunately, since I arrived here, I've not managed to play in a stadium that's been full of supporters. I think this weekend, for the first time, we're going to have a thousand fans or two thousand fans in the, in the stadium earlier for our home game, which will be fantastic. And I'm looking forward to you know, hopefully giving them a good game to watch and hopefully uh, getting a win for them. But Yeah, it's been a shame not to have experienced the full stadiums. But you know, I've played in I've played in, in European games in in the past in 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 French stadiums in Clermont, and you know the fans are fantastic. They love their team. They get behind their team, and yeah, at this point, I haven't experienced it. But you had a great, great welcoming. You know, when you arrived at the airport, I saw that on YouTube. You know, so it yeah. was it was really phenomenal. You know, for them to to be there to uh, welcome you with the with the flags and awesome. so on. Fans, uh, 
Montpellier fans get behind the team and even if we've got an away game and we're getting on the bus, they're there to sort of say goodbye and say good luck and yeah. We got, the, we got the welcome at the airport as well, so that was fantastic. Oh, that's nice. And what did you learn mostly from uh, your, ex your rugby experience from Montpellier? What will you bring back to your English career? Uh, yeah, I think, um, I suppose, just having learned a different way of playing. Mm -hmm. uh, they do things differently here, and it's been good to experience that. I think some of the, some of the players that I've played with at Montpellier, obviously some fantastic players who I've managed to learn a few things from which is um, absolutely brilliant. And uh, yeah, I think in general, just as a, as, a, as a person as well, I think it's been a nice um, sort of learning experience and a nice growth period for me, having come here sort of on my own and having to figure things out for myself a little bit. And yeah, I think uh, in general, it's been, it's been great for me. And, you know, I think it will stand me in good stead for the future when I come back to England. And you are Titi Lamositel, who used to play for, uh, for Saracen, who kept you company, I suppose. Who is staying there, is that correct? Yeah, Titi's staying and, you know, Titi's done really well as well. And you know, I'm really happy for him to have, you know, also won his uh, European Cup, his, his third one as well. So <laughs> Yes! Brilliant for Titi. And yeah, he's uh, staying for another couple of seasons, I think, at least. So that's great. Also, I've, I've had Titi uh, sort of who I knew before, but even even the guys that I never I didn't know before, guys like Bismarck Duplessis and Andre Pollard and played against Cobus in the Premiership when Cobus was at Northampton. You know, these kind of guys have become really good friends and yeah, I guess uh, whenever whenever they're in London they'll um, be welcome to come and stay with me and whenever I'm in South Africa I'm, I'm sure I'll go and see them. That's brilliant. Yeah, playing with some World uh, Cup players is, is amazing in terms of growth. Would you like to have another French experience maybe in a few years' time? Yeah, I mean, I would never say never. You know, I, as I said, it's, there's so many fantastic things to do here. It's such a fantastic country. They love their rugby, passionate about their rugby, which is, which is amazing. And yeah, who knows what will happen. But as I said, I'd never say never. I've got um, one year left on my contract at Sarri, so I'm going back to Sarri's next season, <laughs> looking forward to playing for Sarri's again and getting back to some of my old friends, which would be brilliant. And then, yeah, we'll see what the future holds. But um, as I said, uh, uh, never say never, because France is fantastic. And what was very enjoyable, you know, for, for me also, for the people, you know, for the Saracen was that the fact since Philippe Saint-André came back on board, he really made you play much more than you used to. At the beginning of the year, you did play sometimes, not too often. But then I think you've been playing non-stop since February. You know, at the start, I was playing a little bit. I think I played the first, played the first five games and then had a, a concussion, which I think, had, yeah, I had concussion. I, I caught COVID as well, which wasn't, wasn't great. So I missed a mm. few games and then, uh, yeah, maybe wasn't playing my best rugby. And then, yeah, Philippe probably came back in and, I guess gave me a bit more confidence and got behind me and uh, yeah it's been it's been great to have uh, been working with Philippe these last few months and as I said um, a great memory for us to have together now yeah he, he's a good guy he's understand the English players because obviously he played he managed you know yeah. Gloucester and and Cell. and I promise you I really promise you your uh, my very last question your best memory that you will keep from your time at in Montpellier and in France yeah I, I suppose it has to be the final Oh yes, uh, Twickenham with you know having won that, but I think it's it's winning the final in, in the context of the season that we've had. You know, I guess there's been plenty of ups and downs. You know, we we lost a lot of tight games and sat in the changing room after the game, 
having just lost by a point or two points yes. and it's horrible horrible feeling mm-hmm. for the team. Mm-hmm. So um so sort of coming through all of that and manage to win a final is really, really amazing. And mm-hmm. yeah, we've got have one more game uh, one more big game this weekend. We win that and yeah, then we can look forward to enjoying what we have managed to do this season, which is win a European Cup. So it's fantastic. Amazing. It's been great to speak to you. As I said, you know, I hope to see you wearing a, a French top 14 <laughs> top one day. Who knows? The world is your oyster. That way you could discover a little bit more France. And But in the meantime, look forward to seeing you in a Saracen uh, jersey next year as well. So, uh, it's been great to speak to you. All the best. Merci beaucoup. And good luck for Saturday. You'll do it. Thank you very yeah. much. Allez, au revoir. So tell me more about your journey to become one of the most iconic cameraman in the rugby world. It's not that I'm, I'm very well grounded. People know the socks, they know the red bandana. And I was born in Tenston in Kent, a little steam train village. Lovely. So this is my class one report from the headmaster. Okay, you ready? This is the first line. Needs a bomb under his chair. That was the first line. I'm not even sure you're allowed to say bomb anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on a webcast, you know. Um, he is slow, slow, slow at everything. It all has to be finished and extra time. Comprehension, weak, spelling, weak, reading, improving, slowly. It's, uh, yeah, I'm unwilling to do anything that means in being rushed. <laughs> and that, that was my first report. So, yeah, I, I was not great at school and, and finding an outlet. But look at yourself now. Look at you now. You are unique and we love that bull. <laughs> and I, I, I kind of, I'm in, I'm in the, the bottom of the shop, you know, kind of trundling along with the camera. And people go, oh, yeah, there he is. You know, but it's not about me. But, but the, the, the socks have a life of their own. I started it wearing them just to kind of be disarming, uh, neutral, neutrality. Because it's it can be very... You know, if you're a player, you're, you're in the zone, you know, you're, you're focused on the game that, and the director's going, you know, sure, it spirits, you know, it, it, you've got some guy lumbering up to you, you know, all dressed in black, carrying what looks like a rocket launcher. It can be, you know, can throw you off a bit. So this guy comes along wearing a silly red bandana and weird socks. They, they sort of take one look at me and go, oh, yeah, he's all right. <laughs> <laughs> He's not serious. We'll leave him alone. And, and it, uh, the, the players seem to kind of like it after a while, so I stuck with it. But uh, yeah, I've, I've ended up with a ridiculous collection of socks. That's for that's for, that's for sure. They have a world of their own upstairs. Uh, it got too much for me at one point. I thought, do you know what? I'm going to stop it. I'm going to stop all this stuff. It's just it's just socks. So I, I stopped it, and it was a, a, a match of tigers. And I got I got down there, and Ben K came out, and he went, "Where's your socks?" I said, oh, I've decided not to do it today. He went, you idiot. And he raced off, came back to the dressing room and threw these things at me and said, put them on. And uh, probably a good job he did too, because it would have uh, certainly upset everybody. So booing. In the, <laughs> as they were queuing up for me to, you know, to go in, I, they saw me without these socks. They said, where's your socks? I'm like, oh dear. So, um, yeah, I, I wear them now. And the red bandana came about because I used to do uh, British touring cars and uh, in the pit lane. And I got hit 
and I bought one of the cars as it was coming in to get the wheels changed. And I got not flying and the camera went flying. And afterwards I went up to the driver and said, what was that about? You know, what happened? And he said, look, I just, I just didn't see you. I was coming in for a change. There's all the me- melee going on in the pits and I didn't see you. So I thought, well, okay, fair enough. I'm all in black, my fault. So I stuck this on my head. Red means stop. And in a pit lane, especially. So if you see that, and when you've got your head down like that, that's the first thing you see. So I didn't get hit after that. And it kind of stuck with me. So whenever I go to work, if there's a transmission or a TX day, then I'll put it on. So it was a bit of a safety feature, really, that just kind of stuck. Uh, so why are you called bull? Basically, most of the, most of the camera crew, they get uh, given their own nicknames because there can be four Johns, five Steve's, <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> well, you know, it can get confusing. So if the director turns around and says, you know, S- Steve Pan left, five cameras go like that, and, and it's a nightmare. <laughs> ah! so, <laughs> so, so the director tends to give you a nickname and it's usually after something dreadful that you've done you've made a mistake or you've mucked up or something like that look i i got away lightly you know it's one 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 guy i worked with they they, they called him lettuce <laughs> lettuce no, they called him lettuce because the director said you you're wet <laughs> <laughs> said, oh no and he got stuck with that for ages another guy they, they, it's called fudge Oh, bless you, bless you. I mean, you, we all get silly names, mostly, because then you know when you hear that, it's definitely you. That's, that's kind of how it happens. That's a traditional way. And what about the BT crew? Do they have nicknames such as Ben K, Nick Merlins, and the rest oh, of them? No, the, the, the presenters, that's different. I mean, you know, they, they are... The, the director has to respect them. He can't take the mickey out of them. <laughs> <laughs> On occasion, he does try. No, but they're, they're referred to very, very respectfully yes. in, their own, in their own way. But Bull came about because we were doing a rig at uh, a race course in Windsor many, many, many years ago. I can't even remember back that far. But we were putting all the cables in, building all the cameras and testing them the day before and checking and all of that. And it was near Christmas time. And we put all the cameras in, checked it fine, lovely. We went out that evening, a few of us, and uh, just to try and find a drink. And there was a place that was having a, a party, and it was in a big sort of ballroom. And there were lots of tables of 10, and each company, local company, would buy mm-hmm. a table of 10. And it was a good way of networking for them. So they didn't know who any, each other was. So they certainly didn't know who we were. So we snuck in, went to the bar, and had a <laughs> And then one of the tables invited me and my friend Lamo to come and sit down, and then it really got messy, and we all, oh dear, we all got far too drunk. Anyway, this this girl had a champagne bucket and a, and a silver tray, and she was banging it together, you know. I said, no, 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 no. Right. Take the tray, go and stand over there, and, and, I, and I put the bucket on my head, all the water and the ice went everywhere. And I, I kind of went, with my foot and ran at it with the idea that it would go bang and everyone would laugh and it'd be hilarious but uh, she panicked moved the silver tray i went straight into a wall it cut me in the nose knocked me out and flat on my back blood everyone come around ended up holding my face together with my hands drinking at the bar for the rest of the 
the, the, the evening. And my friend of mine was just laughing his socks off. The next day we go to work. This has all come up now. We've both got black eyes and things like that. We're standing next to each other. And the director comes out with his clipboard. He goes, right, let's get things sorted today. Ooh, don't ever tell me. Anyway, of course, he really wanted to know. And so he found out what I did. And he called me Bull from that point on. So that's, uh, that's how the name stuck. And the rest is history. So, Bull, you were at the Challenge Cup and Heineken Cup on Friday and Saturday. So was I. Yeah. You may have seen me. I was wearing a white beret. Of course. Of course, of course, of course. <laughs> in, in, the, in the in the millions, I, you stand up. <laughs> probably, probably. I, I didn't wave to you. I was very busy. I can imagine, but you probably heard me because I was the only French in that area. I was in front of me was Tom May. It was you making all that noise. Yes, <laughs> it was me. <laughs> Not far from uh, Philippe Saint-André and Moed Altrad and so on. So what are your thoughts regarding uh, the oh. Challenge Cup? You are supposed to be impartial, but I suppose being in English, you were rooting for Leicester. Well, kind of, yes, but not just... Not from a nationality point of view. I was actually I was I was rooting for Leicester because of the the journey that they've come through, particularly this year. They've well, they've had they've had a terrible time. Let's face it, um, and they've gone through DORs and it, the last few years have not been great. So to see them to see Steve Balfour come in and, and, and completely change that team because the the talent there is stellar. It's absolutely stellar. You know. Ford games, it's brilliant. You look at everybody, there's some amazing talent in the field. Yes. But for some reason, whatever it was, it just wasn't gelling. Mm-hmm. It wasn't gelling. And I, I think a lot of it has to do with an over, well, not even over what used word, but the word culture in a, in a team or a squad is sometimes more important than anything else. And I think Steve has, has come to that. Uh, come to that team and, and it clearly made such a difference and everybody is uh, uh, really the levels that they're playing at now is, is, is incredible and I, I was rooting for them because you can see when teams start to do well uh, their confidence builds upon win and, and you, it peaks a, a team kind of peaks at a certain point and, and they were getting there and I, I was I was sure that that was going to be, you know, their, their crowning glory at the moment. And they, they, there was a point that they were ahead, and I thought that that was the point where they were going to push forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but alas, it, it didn't happen for them. But I, I guess, I, I guess, I mean, I'm happy for Fede Santandre as well. You know, he's to, 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 for him to win, you know, it's great, and he's put a lot into that team. And, and there was a point where Montpellier had about four losses on the bounce and, and didn't five, five, was it five? Yes, well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, they weren't having a great time either. So for, for them to turn it around as well, you know, that's that's great for them. But I, I was, yeah, I was, was kind of hoping, but you know, that t- Tigers might do it. But you know, they'll they'll come back stronger for that. Every team, as long as you have. The right people in in place. You you learn sometimes a hell of a lot more you do from losing than you would from from winning. And, and they'll come back. They'll talk about it. They'll 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 iron these things out and they'll come back even stronger. I'm sure. 
And you know okay. what? That's exactly what uh, Ronan Ogaha, 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 you know, said at the end of the game. He did say, you know, what they can only improve. You know, you always learn in defeat as well. So, yeah. and you thought about the Heineken Championship because I saw you on the pitch again, you know, running around. You know, how much physicality do you need to have? I mean, do you do you train every morning? You know, just to make sure you are fit enough. Or, yeah. or, Or yes, do you, do. or do you train? Do you run to go to the pub, you know, and once a week? Yeah, the, tra the yes, the training is done like this. <laughs> no, I don't do any. any. I, I should do, and and really, if you want to do well, then yeah, you should try and keep a certain level of fitness up because we're running about with those cameras. They're they're not light. Oh, I don't know. I've never weighed. Actually, that's probably why I've survived. My brain has never actually realised how heavy they are, but they're not—they're not exactly the lightest things in the world. Um, I tell you what, I will—I'll weigh one with the batteries on and everything, and I'll let you know. But I—I I, I don't know. I'll, I'll send you a, a note on Twitter or something. Mm -hmm. But I've never actually really weighed. I haven't, probably through fear more than anything. <laughs> but I, I should do, you know, a lot more physical exercise. But you know, aerobic, you need to. You can't run out of puff. Although I am getting older. No, you are not. You are not. It's only in your mind. Age is only your number. So tell me about the game on Heineken Cup because I saw you at the end, you know, yeah. and I was very, very close to the pitch as well. I had a brilliant, brilliant seat. And I saw poor Greg Aldrich, completely heartbroken, in tears. And I saw the lovely, lovely gesture of Antoine Dupont coming over to see him and try to console him. And what, what did you make of that? When do you know when you can film this sort of... Uh, personal, emotional moment? And when do you know that sometime you may want to take a step back? Is, does it come from experience or does it come from your gut feeling? That's a difficult one because when it, when it comes to losses and injuries and things like that, essentially I'm, I'm not a player or a pundit, I'm a cameraman and it's my job to film it. I, I'm, I'm more of a, you know, I'm, I'm literally a fan of the camera and I'm in a very fortunate place and a position to be able to see these amazing games and you know moments in history from royal weddings to olympics and goodness knows what else but it's i am i do count myself very fortunate but it there there is there's a fine line really and it's it's difficult because in your heart you want to pull away you can see the guys upset you know if if they've lost or something it's disastrous for them and this is a really personal moment there's tears and all sorts going on and as a As a, as a man, as a, as a fan, you, you, you want to move away and give them this space. It's, you know, this is a really raw emotion and, you know, they're, they're, they've been thrown into this kind of grieving process and there's some idiot with a camera shoving it in your face. So it's, if, if any, but the, you know, you're doing it because the director's, you know, that's, that's what you're there, that's the TV, that's the, that's the emotion of the, and the passion of the game. So, you know, it needs to be something seen, but there's, There's ways and means of doing it. So trying to give yourself a little bit of distance, pushing through on the zoom of the lens so that you're not so overbearing on top of them. It was very, it was very discreet, Paul. You know, I watched the, the news, you know, for me, you know, I was just a few meters away. You know, I could see the scene, you know, in, in real action, yeah. but that's, but on a positive side, come on, you tell me when, uh, how did you feel? Did it feel, you know, to, to feel Montpellier lifting that, uh, that cup they haven't lifted in? I know you were a bit uh, torn, <laughs> but you're a professional, yeah. but uh, I, I have to say, seeing, you know, Guillaume Girado lifting that 
cup, elusive cup, because he had so much, so much uh, difficulties in the French team and, and, and so on. So I, th- I thought it was, it was great. So uh, I suppose you, you, you enjoyed that moment. You love that moment of joviality and uh, passion and. You can't help but not. You can't help it. I mean, I, I failed. To, I don't think anybody could could not. It's 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 a wonderful thing. It's uh, and you can feel it. It's it's in the air. It's thick. You cut it with a knife. When you're on the pitch, the the, the joy between these players is palpable. You yes. can almost taste it in the air. It's fantastic. I mean, you know, with even even if you took away all of the the flames and the pageantry and the mm. streamers, if you took all that away and it was just the team, it would still be thick in the air with, with this joy, which you, you could almost feel. I mean, then, you know, just jumping all over each other. It was a wonderful moment where they ended up dragging the... I <laughs> saw that. Dragging one of their mates through, through all of these streamers on the floor. And he's trying to get up! He's trying, <laughs> he's trying to get up and scrambling them up the <laughs> Uh, it was hilarious. I've just drew, I followed him along the floor. I know it was great. And the day after, we all witnessed. You know, was it Toki? You know, we took uh, the, uh, the the flag as well. Oh, as well as Vincent Rates. Vincent Rates started that trend the, the night before. He took the the the, the flag, and then that, the that Toulouse player hilarious. took it. That was and that was quite funny. And he took it. Just marching around with it. You know, and he took him with him on a plane and he, he was uh, oh, yeah. celebrating in uh, Le, Le Tonton, which is a bar in, in Toulouse as well with it. That's amazing. <laughs> but one question, what is the most amazing rugby game you've ever filmed? In which you felt, I know you have to say professional and there's so many games. You must have filmed hundreds of them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to pick one because there were so many different moments. There, there was obviously the, the, the moment at the end there with the medal that was given to the boy who yes. ran off the pitch. You know, I mean, that was a lot of that, that sort of tears people one way or the other. They either, it's Marmite, they either, they either love the fact that, you know, it's, his medal was given away, uh, others say that it's disrespectful I, I don't think it's disrespectful at all I think that it was a, a really lovely moment it's a moment that every single rugby uh, fans and people who were watching the game the final will always remember the very emotional gesture of was it Sonny Bill, Bill Williams correct yeah Sonny yeah. Bill he, uh, he was walking around I was following mm-hmm. him along and the, from out of nowhere, this kid jumped over the yeah. barrier and came mm-hmm. running. But the, to be honest, it was a bit of a steward's fault because he was watching the team coming round. Ah! He was facing the crowd. <laughs> when he was facing, he would have seen the boy getting over the barrier. Anyway, he came flying past him, and he, he thought, "Oh, he didn't know what it was. It was a flash." Yeah. So this, the stewards did rugby tackled him to the ground. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> In front of all the All Blacks, I thought, oh, this isn't going to go down well at all. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, come on, he's a kid, only eight years old, you know, give him a break, you know. It just went over his emotion. And what is the funniest moment you filmed live? Funniest and maybe most embarrassing one, you can say. You don't have to mention any names. Mention a funny one. Um, A funny one. Uh, after the game in the shower, no, I won't mention that. We don't get into <laughs> We don't do that. There are actually cameras that, the, that they put into the dressing room. Yes. So the director can see 
uh, any huddles that are going on when the mm-hmm. teams are leaving, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But also, it it does allow you to see things afterwards as they're getting changed. And some of the poor PAs in the in the gallery are fainting if they catch a glimpse of that screen. I can tell you that. Or maybe think- they've got a big smile on their face. Yes. <laughs> yes, suddenly all the timings go off as the, as the ladies look up and uh, <laughs> see maybe something in the station. But yeah, that, that does not happen at Tigers because they it's the first thing they do when they go in at the Tigers dressing room is they throw a pair of pants onto the camera and that's it. Boom, it all goes blacked out. Just <laughs> so all you can see is a pair of smalls. My favourite... Yeah. Favorite matches. It probably wasn't really a, a, a big event. One of the ones that I really liked was it was a Cornish Pirates game versus Worcester many years ago. And it was going to be the decider of the match was going to be who was going to come up and, and not. And I'd, I'd never actually been down that far to, to to see a game. Obviously on holiday, but not see a game. And the people were lovely, and the fans were amazing. Were amazing. I mean, it was literally about half an hour before the game was due to start there's nobody in the stadium it's empty and I thought what's going on and I, I asked one of the security guards I said where is everybody is, is anybody coming is it you're too early and I said what do you mean you're too early it's <laughs> half an hour ten minutes I'll be outside so anyway I've gone outside and you can start to hear drums whistles and I thought what is going on and this this marauding mob of fans slowly came up over the hill and they're waving flags and they've got the drums and they're dragging all these great big tubs of cider and <laughs> all three parts to the wind but they, they, it, it was wonderful it was like a it was like a big uh, festival or a fete or something like that it was it was great and they they were all very welcoming and their passion for their own team was was wonderful and of course they did really well they won they beat Worcester Warriors they were going to they would have come up into mm-hmm. the premiership but they didn't have a stadium that's big enough so they're now building one for Truro yes in Truro Truro that's yes. it mm-hmm. uh, yep yeah, stadium for Cornwall or something like that so they will have an opportunity and and some of those players that from there actually went into Exeter as well you know to to uh, and they showed um, mm-hmm. their their growth and help build their team too. But that that was that was a wonder, wonderful uh, day. I was the celebrations went long into the evening. I discovered something. What was it? A uh, snake? I don't know. Some cider thing. Oh yes, Is it a snake pipe, something like that. I don't know. Or... Snake, oh my god! It was... <laughs> all, all I remember is is waking up on this harbour wall at about four in the morning, thinking, "What the hell happened?" <laughs> It's a great night. Oh, lots of fun. And for our listeners, you know, because you are really in the heart of the action. Can you imagine? You know, you, you are filming there. You are becoming, I mean, you are so, in, it's so intense. You know, you, you have to pick up the right footage at the right moment. So tell me, how do you become a cameraman in, in, in rugby, in sport? What's the journey? Or what would you advise uh, to a, to a little, a young listener who would like to follow your, your suite? and become part of the Bull Academy Rugby Cameraman uh, Club. How would you go about being a cameraman? Well, first of all, I think my first piece of advice is don't be a cameraman. Go do something where you can actually earn some money and and enjoy your life. Um, But if you really do want to do it, the the traditional way is to find a production company and start as a runner. And whether it's sport or light entertainment or whatever, whatever that you want to do, is start off... Start off at the bottom. I know it seems trivial making tea and 
bringing things for people. But it, it's it's important because you you fly under the radar. You can see all the different departments, and if you can soak it up like a sponge, you can start picking up different things. You can work on which area that you'd like to, whether it's sound or vision or cameras or whatever it might be. And it gives you a broader view uh, of, of what's going on and allows you to, to, to pick up as much up as possible. And also it allows everybody to settle in and see you and, okay, you know, I know they are. And it, 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 if you stick with it, it gives you opportunities and at some point you can actually branch out and move into something. But I suppose you have to take some courses as well in camera work and so on. Yes, I mean, yeah, courses, the course that I, I did at college being film studies and uh, TV production, it gives you a good base. Yes. Uh, but it, it won't necessarily, there's, a, there's only a few colleges like Beaconsfield College or Ravensbourne College that have the, the equipment to make it relevant. Absolutely. And may I say that you are a man of multi-talent as well, because not only, because not only, you know, you, uh, you excel at filming, you know, rugby matches and tennis games and, and uh, racing, I think, but you also filmed the wedding of uh, Prince Williams and Kate Middleton. And for yeah. the occasion, you wore a Yunnan flag, Uh, yeah. bandana and you were filmed by by other cameramen <laughs> yeah 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 I very nearly didn't actually get to do that <laughs> <laughs> I, I very nearly got locked up I I basically I I wanted a, I wanted to take a picture of me in the abbey and sit, sat in the queen's chair I saw the picture oh did you did yeah you? Oh, <laughs> and you sat in the queen's chair did you Well, about literally, they were, we snuck in with me and my friend. Me and my friend. Obviously, we've all got the passes. Yeah, yeah. We are, you know, it's legitimate for us to be there, and we are we are we are part of. Did, did you have your bandana on? Yeah. Oh, sugar. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so one fraction of a second after we took that picture, <laughs> there's screaming and shouting, screaming and shouting. Look around. There's the Royal Protection Squad come charging up the <laughs> up the aisle. So we all hammered it out the back and scattered and just ran. I don't know how they didn't find me. I was just hiding in one of the trucks. And I came out all, all very, oh, yeah, well, what's going on here? Oh, what a terrible racket. What's happening? I took the bandana off, obviously, and uh, took my jacket off. But they, yeah, I got away with it. Oh, brilliant. And from, <laughs> brilliant. And from filming royalty, now you now film, you know, rugby royalties now, so, you know, all the Heineken games, the I'm Challenge Cup. Popular. Yes. Literally, the last 20 years of, of Heineken Cups and, you know, just whatever it may be, Premiership Finals. I, it, it's, again, I say, it's, I'm, I am very fortunate to be in that position. And we did, there was a, a show, a rugby tonight for quite some time. It's still going, but they, they had the big studio shows for about five years. And yes. some of the guests we had on there and the presenters was amazing. You know, even got got to meet 2015 in October, General Loma, he came in and And did a did a show with us there, and it, that's you kind of to be not dumbstruck, but starstruck, I suppose. In my job, you get to meet lots of people. You got to, got to do it. But I did fall apart a bit when I met him. I kind of went. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't. Nice to meet you. 
Yeah, I did fall apart a bit, but it was great. It was gracious. He was happy to talk to everybody. Amazing memory. Hey, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you, Boul. If... Uh, mon plaisir, mon plaisir. <laughs> if I get right, I'm going to have a go. I'll see if I get this right. Merci de me voir invité sur votre podcast. And see you soon. Au revoir. Merci. Au revoir. So, rugby friends, I hope you enjoyed my chats with Alex Lobosky. We will be back to Saracens and with Bull, an iconic rugby cameraman. Next week, we'll be back to normal with a review of the top 14 and Pro D2. Have a great week, my rugby friends. Au revoir. La pendule fait tic-tac, tic-tic. Les oiseaux du lac, pic-tac, pic-pic. Glou, 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 font tous les dindons. Et la jolie cloche, ding-ding-dong. Mais boum, quand notre cœur fait boum, tout avec lui dit boum. Et c'est l'amour qui s'éveille.